What's up, my confidence queens? Are you ready to feel confident as fuck? I'm your host, the confidence queen herself, Alicia Lechuga, and I am your confidence bestie. I went from trying to shrink my body in order to find happiness and approval to finally letting go of dieting, others' opinions, and inspiring hundreds of women along the way. This podcast is all about confidence, living unapologetically as yourself daily, and ultimate self-love. This is Confident as Fuck. Okay, welcome back to Confident as Fuck. This is the second time recording it because I got our guest name wrong. So welcome, Bria, to the podcast. Thank you. Welcome, Bria, to the podcast. I am so excited to talk to her. She is the owner and the creator of Strong at Last. So you guys can find her there on Instagram. And I want to tell you guys how we met. We actually met through online. It's a little bit different of a situation, kind of ironic, but I have a client, an in-person training client. You guys know I don't have many of those anymore, but my client, Jessica, who's been with me for a very long time, was going home, wanted to hire a trainer while she was at home and she found Bria. So here she is. And so we connected online. I asked her if she needed anything from me based on um, my client's programming and everything like that. And she said, no. And then we started talking. So I invited her on the podcast. So here we are. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. This is my first podcast experience. Of course, I've had many listening podcast experiences, but this is my first time. So go easy on me. (laughs) I will. I've been like ripping podcast virginities all over the place. Like I am popping the cherries and I love it. I love it. So welcome to your first podcast ever. It is really fun. And hopefully I make it seamless and easy for you and very like relaxed. And very confident. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, So like I said, you are the owner and creator of Strong at Last. So explain to us what is Strong at Last and give us kind of like a brief bio on you and your business. So Strong at Last was birthed out of the pandemic Um, I had been training people on my own, um, for several years before that, but during the pandemic, um, the beginning of the pandemic, which of course it's still going on. We always like to say back in the pandemic, not realizing that things are still going on. So during the height of the craziness in 2020, um, the gym I was working at actually closed. So I started strong at last. I wanted to have a way to, um, first of all, provide for myself. (laughs) Second of all, I wanted to have, and most importantly, really, I wanted to have a way to make fitness approachable to people who were like me. Um, I work mostly with women and I wanted them to have a way that fitness is approachable to them so that they could become strong at any stage in life, whether that person is 60 plus, um, whether that person is 20 years old, um, whatever stage in life they're at, if they're intimidated by becoming strong, I want to make it accessible to them, meet them on their level and teach them how to move their body in a healthy way. Um, so that's what I do. I have in-person clients. I actually have an outdoor gym at my house, which is pretty cool. I live in Florida. So I have the blessing of being able to have something like that, um, and not have to contend with anything other than a hundred degree summers. Um, but Um, I train people in my backyard. So we have this like beautiful oak tree in my backyard and we have this cement slab set up with an outdoor rig. And I see personal training clients at my house. I also have group classes at my house. And um, 
the thing that I'm most excited about that I'm doing right now is a hybrid program. So I'm meeting people a couple of days a week at my house and then the rest of the workouts they do on their own at their gym that they go to that's closer to their house. Um, but yeah, that's strong at last. So I've been working on this for, I guess, coming up on starting year three right now. And it's just been awesome. I had been working towards the point of having fitness be my full-time job for a number of years before this point. And sometimes beauty is born out of difficulty. And that's kind of what happened to me. I got kind of thrown into the fire as a lot of us did. And a lot of people worse than I did in 2020. And I was able to make something beautiful out of it with the help of my family and friends. So, Yeah, that is the probably the best thing that came out of the pandemic was or the height of the pandemic, right? Was that the people that maybe lost their job or their job really shifted and they were like, you know what? I got the dream that I had or, you know, this idea that I had, I have to just go after it now. And I love hearing that. There's so many people that have been on this podcast that have done the same thing. And it's just like, I love it. And if I think back to, I'm kind of like, that's actually what pushed me into coaching more online. I mean, I kind of already had that idea. And I think as fitness professionals, we're like, oh, like I want to be online because I can reach more people. I can train online, all that stuff. But then it's like when you're day-to-day in the gym, you know, training six to eight clients a day, you're like, okay, when do I have time to build this online presence? And then COVID came and I was like, okay, well, I guess I shift to online. And then that slowly shifted into being confident because that's really at the core. But yeah, I love that that COVID or the pandemic, right? Really like forced people in a different direction in the best way for most people that I know. And obviously those who it didn't, I feel so sad for, but either way, that's here, neither here nor there. I'm like, this is going in a weird direction. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's get back to the fun stuff. Um, okay. So did you do something this week that made you feel confident? I did. Actually, it's a physical achievement as often is for me. (laughs) Um, Sometimes when I'm feeling weak, and this is kind of what helps me want to put this fire in other people. Sometimes when I'm feeling like emotionally weak or um, physically weak, et cetera, I make myself do something that makes me feel strong. So I did some really heavy back squats earlier this week. And um, having gone through a lot of physical or a good amount of physical difficulty with some knee surgeries throughout the last um, 10 years of my life. I love back squatting and I love when I'm able to squat heavy and it just made me feel great about myself. I felt a lot more confident and I was able to kind of get back on the horse and feel better and turn my day around. I love that. Yeah. I saw in your um, questionnaire for the podcast that you said you had two knee surgeries in, was it two years or how many years did you have them apart? Um, they were about three or four years apart from each other. What caused you to have those knee surgeries? So I have a long athletic history. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's possible that wear and tear had gotten my knees super weak. Um, but uh, after lifting weights for a while, I had gone back to actually scrimmage with my high school basketball team. So I was like 25, 26 And my high school reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to come play basketball with the team. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm super cool. You know, I'm fit now. I'm like, I was, I I hadn't played basketball in a long time, but I was more like physically fit at that point. I was stronger, faster, et cetera. So 
was like, oh, I'm going to show those kids, you know. First time down the court, I did a little jump stop and and uh, pass. And yeah, I tore my ACL. <laughs> oh, my God. This yeah, is pretty humbling. <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? This is so, why like my friend Grazel has been, we're both volleyball players. And she was like, do you want to like join a league with me? And I was like, absolutely fucking not. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't do any, I don't participate in any cutting sports anymore just for fear of like my bank account because surgery is expensive and it just takes a lot of time to recover from. I know how to do it and I know I could do it and I know it's possible, but I'm just, you know, not taking those kind of risks anymore. Um, but yeah, I tore my ACL and meniscus and messed up my MCL as well. So I had my first surgery to fix that. And I did great. I had an awesome surgeon and I recovered really well. Um, I went back to squatting. Uh, I got personal records on most of my lifts and got faster and all that kind of stuff. But then I was running a Ragnar race. Have you heard of that? No. What is that? It's insanity. It's you go camping for like 48 hours and the actual race part lasts like 36 hours nonstop, something like that. And you run like half marathon and the whole weekend each person does on the team. And there's like four people on the team. You do um, like four to five mile trail runs and then you hang out and eat junk food. And then you do another trail run and you eat and hang out and have junk food. And then you do another one. Well, I tore my meniscus on the first one and then continued to run for the rest of the weekend because, you know, that's what we do sometimes. <laughs> oh my God. Your adrenaline was pumping and you're like, it's fine. Like it's yeah, fine. I thought I was under the impression this isn't like this is what people do for fun, I guess. So um I was under the impression that if I dropped out of the race, my team would not be able to continue, which is not mm. the at all. So I didn't drop out. And they were all like, you know, you really could have stopped racing, but I think my knee was messed up from the beginning. So it's all good. Um the recovery's been great from those. And I mean, if anything, it's been like a way for me to be able to look at my clients' problems from another standpoint. And when they have physical ailments or um, just aches and pains or some other mental thing that is keeping them from achieving what they want to do, like a mental barrier, you know, that's keeping them from what they want to do. I'm able to look at it creatively because I had to be creative for a long time with my fitness um, through both of those things and other injuries I've had in in like a life of being athletic, you're going to have injuries from time to time. So um that's been awesome so I love it for that it's taught me a lot about rehabbing and physical therapy type stuff so um overall I'm thankful for it to be honest yeah I know I saw that on your questionnaire too that you said that that um knee surgeries really kind of like led you inward to asking like okay am I just strong like am I just like this athletic person and like what else do I do is kind of like what I got from that paragraph that you read about it So can you kind of talk about what was your process after you had the knee surgeries, then you're like having that like moment where you're like, holy shit, like I can't do the thing I love. Right. And the thing that I feel like is only the only thing I am. What kind of process did you go through after that to kind of like reawaken you inside of you, like the other parts of you? So I realized that I'm going to have to find some hobbies, first of all, that aren't physical because there's times that you can't do your athletic hobbies. So um, any time that I've been injured have been times where I've had to pivot a little bit with hobbies and I've started taking up art things and like drawing with my husband and 
Um, that has been really enjoyable. Um, but I kind of had a moment and I can remember after my first knee surgery, talking with um, a friend at work and saying, you know, I've always wondered if this is, if this is all I am, but I feel okay. You know, like I, I was able to realize that it wasn't all that I am and that I'm a lot of other things like funny and caring and smart and determined. And I was able to go into a different area at work because I was actually an EMT at the time. Um, I was working on an ambulance, another very physical thing. And I was able to go into the office and still succeed in the dispatch office and still do great in there. And it was just really affirming to know that like, when we don't have that, I feel like because uh, largely because of the strength, not only physically, but emotionally and personally that athleticism has given me, I'm able to apply that. And like, even when I don't have it or don't have it in the same way, I'm able to be tenacious and find it in something else, you know? Um, so I don't know. It's like, it's almost like sports prepared me to not have sports for a time, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I remember like when I was younger, my coaches always reminding me that like sports are a microcosm of life is what they would say. And um, I remember like being so annoyed by it at the time, but I really think it is like, and that's why I love it. I think that being strong and like at least investing in your body and learning about how to move it, you know, in a healthy way can help you be a, a much more confident person personally as well. So physical yeah. strength, I think relates to emotional strength big time. For sure it does. and. I love that you brought up the sports thing because if you guys remember Stephanie's podcast, Stephanie Lechuga, her podcast, um, we talked about this very similarly, that she was in sports growing up and it helped her with a lot of things, overcoming a lot of things, not only physically, but educationally. And then at, at, in later in her life, emotionally. And Renee has always, my husband has always told me that I played sports growing up, but I was the only person in my family to play sports. Like our family is not athletically gifted at all. And definitely um, the way that both my parents grew up, sports were not a big thing for them. So me wanting to play sports, who knows why I wanted to play, but it definitely did allow me to see other things and be that like tenacious, even though I was still a little bit timid because of probably my other upbringing things. Um I think sports really instilled just enough of that to allow me to translate it to everything. And I love the phrase that you use. Can you say it for us again? A micro. A microcosm of life. Sports are a microcosm of life. I love that. So good. So good. Yeah. I feel like I'm like, I could never not put my kids in sports because that would be just such a disservice. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Do you have kids? No. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. Yes. Yes. Which they are walkers, but they are not in any sports. (laughs) God, that was a bad joke. Um, Okay. So I love you said this on your questionnaire too. And I really liked that this was your perspective was like physical strength leading to emotional strength and mental strength. And so I love that aspect of your business. And I think, you know, even your name strong at last, right. Is all about saying like, I can be strong at any stage, not physically, not only physically strong, but like I can push through something. And I feel like that is where confidence really comes from is not being physically strong or being the best or not caring what anybody thinks, but it's like keeping your word to yourself and being consistent. And I think that's what workout or working out 
exercise, sports really breeds is I have to be consistent and I have to be disciplined in order to continue, get results, like anything. Um, Just even going and seeing your trainer twice a week, that's consistent. And if for someone who's never worked out before, never stuck to a gym schedule, like going and seeing you twice a week, even though you're there, I mean, they still have to drive there. They still have to show up. They still have to give something within the workout. Once you keep doing that, it starts to build and build and build. And that's where you become more confident. And you're like, holy shit, I actually can stick to something that I said I was going to do. So I love, love that aspect of your business. I love the idea of um, you actually, I kind of realized that trusting yourself, you kind of summarized it really well, is like, that's a huge way or a huge example of trusting yourself and learning to trust yourself that I was able to learn last year. Um, I started in the beginning of last year, deciding I was going to work out 300 days out of 365 days, which would mean like there's been no other time in my life where I felt that I had the knowledge to do that safely. It's not something I would like recommend, but I did it because I wanted to prioritize myself. And I know enough that like, if my body isn't feeling good, I do yoga that day. You know what I mean? Or I do a bunch of physical therapy that day and work on those areas of my body. But I was committed to do that 300 days. And there's been so many times in my life, and I see this with my clients too, where um, they'll start out doing something and trying to change something in them and fail. And and you want to, like, I'm the type of person who I really want to beat myself up. But um, you have to have a quick, you know, like a short memory and be able to keep moving to the next thing. And being able to build that self-efficacy and that self-trust of like, I was able to do those 300 workouts. I did 301 actually. And I didn't give up even on the times that it was hard to make my workouts creative, where it was hard to be able to do yoga that day, you know, like I did it and I built that trust in myself. And I really love teaching that to people as well. Like when you see, when you show up for yourself, because you said you're going to show up for yourself like, and you're also loving yourself, like you're learning to trust and love yourself and forgive yourself. And it's just, it's awesome. Like, that's really cool. It is a big thing with confidence. Yeah. I love seeing trainers integrate more of this stuff because I mean, on top of all that, that you just listed, you're also feeling better. Like you're also feeling better. You're probably moving better. Like, you know, anybody who is listening to this podcast, probably over the age of 25, probably closer to like 30 to 40. Right. So. I know that sometimes our body starts to like not be so nice to us. And it's like, oh, like if I don't, I was talking to Brittany about this is that if I don't move for like a few days, like if we go to my in-laws house and, you know, we're chilling, having a relaxing weekend, by the time that I'm like in bed on Sunday night, I'm like, oh my God, my, my back hurts. Like what the fuck? Like my back fucking hurts or like my hips are tight. I'm like, geez, like. And I am, I'm, I mean, I'm only 32. Like I can only imagine when I'm 62, like, you know, like how much can our body actually hurt? So if you're starting to do that movement, you're feeling better on top of all the other stuff you already listed. So I love, I love that so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Feeling better is my, my favorite part of it. <laughs> yeah. Selfishly feeling good is my favorite thing of uh, fitness. <laughs> Yeah. It's like what keeps us going, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And you talked a lot too on your questionnaire about your childhood and your upbringing, and then also how that made you view your body. 
So can you kind of touch on that for us? I we It's funny because I literally just had someone on, I think it was Tuesday, that um, had a bad experience in her early childhood having to do with a specific church and a specific like doctrine that was like, oh, this is like, this is what we believe. And if you deviate or question from it, then you're out kind of like a cultish vibe, but definitely wasn't a cult, but very like cultish energy. And she was talking about that. And then when you wrote this on your questionnaire, I was like, oh my God, like, I'm so excited to talk about this. So you were saying that basically the views that you were brought up with in childhood, which I relate to this so much, is that your body belongs to God. And can you kind of expand on that? Yeah, it's it's not something that I realize um, affected me so much, probably until the last few years of my life. But I'd also like to preface by saying that, as you can see, um, just by the example of how I have taken fitness, like, so seriously in my life, like, that's what I do with everything that I'm passionate about. So growing up that way, like, I think that I took things very extremely just because I'm a very sensitive person. I'm a very, I, I don't know. I don't think that I drew, grew up in a cult by any means, but I was very no, dedicated no to being here. like, to being like the Christianist of the Christians. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was going to be the most Christian. Yes. And, um, anyway, that's a very like Kobe mentality of you. Like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to be the fucking best. <laughs> <laughs> And so I was really passionate about it. Um, and so when they told me, like, you are not your own, that's in the Bible. Um, you are not your own. You're God's. Um, you're bought at a price is what it says. I um, really took that seriously. I'm like, I am not my own. I have no ownership over my body. Um, I, looking back, and I was actually just reflecting on this earlier today, it's like looking back, the only thing time I ever snuck around to do something with my body like kids may be doing things and sneaking around with their body as you should explore your body as you're growing up was sneaking upstairs to bench press in my parents room (laughs) (laughs) like that was it because I was like I am not my own you know like so everything I do with my body has to be like to the standards of the bible like to a T of what I believe it says or what I'm taught that it says Um, and it's so empowering to me now to really come into myself and feel like I'm my own, like I'm my own person. And that means that I can pursue the career that's going to bring me joy. And it doesn't have to be the career that I think is like the most martyr ish career, like, because that's what I wanted before. Like I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be a missionary in like the craziest situations where I would most definitely uh, have to sleep on a dirt floor. And I don't know, like, I, I felt like I needed to be somewhere where I was just going to be sacrificing and not doing anything that brought me joy because I wasn't my own, you know? And so now I see like, I can do what makes me happy. I can pursue this career that makes me really happy. I can, um, take ownership over my body and I can make it strong. And if I want to run a seven minute mile or whatever, I can, I can, uh, go after doing that. If I want to get tattoos, like I can get tattoos and I can express myself however I want to express myself. Um, and I can love myself and forgive myself. So, um, that's like huge to me. And I think that's why like fitness is another reason why fitness is so important to me and why I want that to come through and with my clients, um, is that like, we have this body and we're like able to make it strong if we want to, you know, and you know what, we have the freedom to, 
also not do that if we don't want to do that like it's our bodies and we can do what we want with them and um, that's just been really empowering to like realize that and to kind of reflect on like how much I really took that inwardly and like was like I'm not my own and so I can't do what makes my body happy you know I I, I cannot be first um was yeah. that like was that taking it inward as you as you were saying do you think that was something that you personally just did or do you think that was like pushed upon you by either like whoever uh church you were with or um your family members or do you think it was also like a product of just like your upbringing in general I think that my personality is what like exact like I maybe like made it to the extreme but I also went to a Christian school growing up it was all Baptist I went to a Baptist school growing up I went to a Baptist church um my the people who were at my church also worked at my school and vice versa like my mom was the youth leader so I was at church quite a quite a bit um so I think just being like completely immersed into it for so long um made me think that there wasn't anything else you know um and so kind of being out on my own and being married I'm having my 10th wedding anniversary next month. oh my god congrats thank you so much um that's a confidence boost too this week like making it 10 years that's a big deal that is a big um, deal yeah so um I don't know now I'm getting off track too just thinking about <laughs> it happens all the time love you know oh my god and we're like in Valentine's week, is it this week that was Valentine's week or last week? Yeah, this week. two days yeah. ago. It feels like literally like a week ago to me. <laughs> it's been a long week. I have to agree with you on that. Do you guys still celebrate Valentine's Day 10 years in? Um, so this is how we celebrated. He brought home poke bowls Good and dole whips. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Nice. And um we bought each other a really good present a camper. Ooh. Oh yeah. I saw, wait, I think I saw this. Did you post this on Instagram? Yes, I did. Yeah. I can't okay. help but show okay. everyone and talk about it to every single person <laughs> I see. But that kind of ties back to like, I'm my own. Like if that's what we want to do, if we want to buy a camper. Like we don't have kids, you know? Yeah. We don't have to worry about that. Like we do can what we want. do what we want and do what makes us happy. Yeah. How was your, how was the reaction from when you started to get, especially tattoos? I also grew up in a very strict religious household, very much. I cannot tell you how many times I hurt your body as a temple. I rebelled against that at a very young age. Um, very, very young age. I was like, mm, I'm going to get anything I want pierced. And um, it was a very big um, shock to my parents. So it was a very, it was a huge piece of resistance with us. Um, so how did your parents or your immediate family or your community that you were in, or if you were still there, um, how did they react? So I'm really fortunate to be the youngest in my family, the youngest kid in my family of three for many reasons. Being the youngest is just the best in my opinion. Um, but beg my to brother, what do you say? I said, I beg to differ. What are little you? Babies. I'm, <laughs> I'm the oldest, but um, you're so I mature always... and to get put together. Uh, I always attract the babies, like all of my husband's friends are all babies and I love them so much as if they're my own. A lot of my friends are the babies of the family. Yeah. It's really funny how we like, we just work really, together. I've never really read about that dynamic, but I'm sure there's like been all sorts of stuff written about it. Like how oldest kids are usually friends with youngest kids. 
I've never read about it. This I'm just like thinking, you know, that's probably like if you think about a family dynamic, probably similar to somewhat similar to a friend, close friend dynamic, right? Because you're like have to fit together. Right. I do have friends that are oldest as well. And we relate on a lot of stuff, but sometimes we're both a little too, you know, headstrong or want to take charge or want to like direct sometimes. So sometimes it can be a little challenging, but anyways, you were saying, so you're lucky to be the youngest. (laughs) My brother got tattoos first. So, oh, nice. um, It was probably, yeah, it was probably 10 years before I got my first tattoo. So that really helped. They, he, Got a little bit of pushback from um, one of my parents, not to name any names. (laughs) Um, But uh, by the time I was getting tattoos, my parents were like, oh, that's beautiful work. (laughs) And my brother was like, are you kidding? (laughs) As you babies have it so easy. (laughs) My parents are awesome. They are very supportive and like have always um, tried their best to grow with me. And like, as my mind has changed and grown, um, they've tried their best to do that too. And so we kind of like meet on, um, meet on shared ground for a lot of things, you know, and just treat each other with respect and grace for the things that we don't agree with that each other might believe, you know? So that's been awesome. Like, I'm so fortunate to have good parents, um, and understanding parents and open-minded parents. Yeah. That's amazing. Cause I definitely could have gone another way with that. Um, but I love to hear that. And I think for anybody listening that maybe doesn't have a close relationship with their parents because of decisions that you've made or views or beliefs that have shifted, give it time, give it time and also be open to their stuff too. That was a huge mistake that I made was like, I am doing this and I'm rebelling and I am so frustrated with being put in this box. So I'm rebelling and whatever you say, I'm not listening to. So um I think over time, so much time, our relationship has gotten to that place too, where we meet on solid, we meet on shared ground, solid shared ground, and we find, you know, things that we can discuss and we can still discuss them now, which is the most beautiful part of like healing and that mental strength that we were talking about is like, I'm able to discuss stuff now with my dad, like why we should be legalized everywhere. And he's like, totally anti. And I'm like, okay, like, let's talk about it. Let's chat, you know, and it's easy and it's open and it doesn't mean anything anymore, but that wasn't the case, you know, even maybe two, three, four years ago. So give it time. That's always what I tell people, give it time, give it time and open up your side of the um, street too. I mean, I'm sure that's easier said than done, especially sure. when you're when we're trying to make sometimes a separation of just um, we're our own people too. You know, like I'm an adult now. Yeah, isn't that so funny? Like, I feel like, you know, it's just like, you know, you're younger. If you have nieces and nephews, or if you have younger um, people in your family, like younger cousins, you always see them as younger. Like my niece and nephew, I always see them as younger, no matter what, even now that they're like 18 and they're starting to like, you know, party and like sometimes drink around us. I'm like, um, (laughs) aren't you like 12? Like I can't, like, I can't, I I can't do it. And I'm the old person that can't do it yet. But so imagine how our parents see us, right? Like we're their baby and trying to establish that feeling of like, I'm an adult. I'm a full-fledged adult. Like I'm 30. I'm an adult and trying to separate that a little bit can be very, very tough for sure. 
Absolutely. But it comes with time. That's why I'm just not going to have kids. So I don't have to even worry about trying to understand that when I'm older. (laughs) But somebody's got to keep having kids. So true. Very true. Um, So you and your husband decided not to have kids. Correct. Yeah. In the beginning, we thought there might be a chance that we would, but no, I kind of made the decision um, after babysitting for an extended period um, about six or seven years ago. um, I came home and I told my husband, I really just don't want kids. Not, and I told him, I'm like, not that it wasn't a great experience because of a family member. Um, it was my nephew and I love him. Like, it was awesome because I got to spend time with him. But I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot imagine this being your whole world. Like, you have to care for a whole other human. Like, your, your, your wants and desires are like bottom of the list now, <laughs> like at every moment in time. So he said, that's fine. I wanted a dog more anyway. And uh, two days later, we went and got our first dog. <laughs> we've just been about dogs and we're good with that how many dogs do you guys have now we just have two um they're both rescue pit bull mixes one is a pit bull mix and the other is um unintentionally a 100% American pit bull terrier we didn't do that on purpose (laughs) we just ended up getting her DNA tested later and I'm like not surprised because she totally has her nose kind of up like she's a purebred you know (laughs) something special and so I should have known the whole time I don't even know why I wasted the money on the DNA test that's so funny we did a DNA test on my dog too who is also like she's not a rescue but we didn't get her like from a breeder we got her from my um my mother-in-law's house she was just there and um I had to take her home that was our first dog but we got a DNA test on her as well and they're so fun to do because you're like, wait, what? Like, that is insane. Like she is, um, we always thought she was like Chow Shepherd and she is Chow and Shepherd, but she's like 60% Chow, which makes total sense. She's a total snob and she's about, <laughs> she's a little bit American Pitbull, which also makes sense. She's very, um, loving, very caring. And then, um, she also has like Alaskan Malamute in her, which is, makes a lot of sense because that's fancy. She always wants to be outside. Yeah. She's like a snow dog. And um, yeah, and then a little tiny bit of German Shepherd. So yeah, those it, those DNA test kits for dogs are like, I'm like, take my money. I want to know. <laughs> They're so, so this dog just showed up at your mom's house? Someone I think got her and then couldn't take care of her really. Or something happened where the person who actually like purchased her couldn't really, I don't know what happened. I'm not going to even say because I, I really don't know the story, but then my mother-in-law's house has always been kind of like the place where people take their dogs because they have a big property and she'll take any dog. So people kind of like always have taken their dogs there and I don't know, not dropped them off. That makes it sound negative, but there's always dogs there and always random dogs. And so actually when we bought our first um, truck, when we started our business, my husband was like, oh, come in the backyard, like come see the truck, like I want to show it to you. So I was all excited, came back there and there was a new dog back there. And she was literally like this big. She was so tiny and she was a fluff ball because she's like chow, Alaskan Malamute, right? So she was literally like a big ball of brown fluff. And I was like, whose dog is this? Like, whose dog is this? And her name was like, I don't know whose dog this is. Like her name's Nikki. I like, I don't know who she, like she was here last weekend when I was here too. And I was like, she's mine. Like end of story. I'm giving her a bath and we're taking her 
we had wanted a dog though for a while. We just didn't like prioritize it. And she came at the perfect time. And she's, I always say like, she is the perfect dog. So firstborns, there you go. Firstborns, they're always the best. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. So how big is she now? You probably got big. Yeah. She's a little bit shorter than, um, she's like the size of a chow, but fuller. So she's about 85 pounds. Were her feet huge when she was such a, when no. she was a little baby? Her feet are kind of tiny, like a chow, how their feet okay. are like small and dainty, even though they're like a little bit bigger. Yeah. So she's a little bit, um, like her frame is a little bit smaller, but she's pretty full, full coat. Yeah. And then we also have an English bulldog who is definitely the troublemaker. So he's, <laughs> yeah, that's daddy. Every family has one. Yes. And everybody on this podcast already knows daddy because he interrupts every, every podcast today. He's not. And I, hopefully I didn't jinx it, but the last podcast I recorded, he was down here ripping a blanket apart. His and name is daddy? Little daddy, but he's little 95 daddy. pounds now. So now he's. Oh my daddy. God. Stop <laughs> it. Oh my gosh. You're probably, oh my gosh. You're probably the only person spending more money on dog food than we are. That's probably oh my so God. much dog food. Holy moly. Those are some big dogs. Yeah. And you know, English bulldogs have so many health issues and so many people told us that and we did not care. Um, So he has a lot of like, he has to have a special food that's made in a specific factory that like, like an allergen, right? Like something like an allergy to, he has allergy to every type of food except for. Oh my gosh, poor guy. Yeah. So he's, he's a lot of money and a lot of work. But he's he's really cute, so we keep him around. <laughs> so as soon as we log off of here, you're going to be sending me pictures of your dogs, particularly when they were puppies. Oh, for sure. I really want some for puppy sure. pictures. So yes. I appreciate that. Yes, for sure. He's definitely the spoiled little one. So we have some really good pictures of him as a puppy because we were like obsessed with him. So please, please immediately. Um, okay. The last thing I wanted to talk about for you was your online training. So I know we had kind of touched on online training a little bit in the beginning. I know you said you're doing hybrid, but are you also doing online training for people who are not in your area and give your area in case, um, anyone who's listening is in your area and wants to come hang out with you and train with you. So I live in Tampa. Um, yeah. I live in Tampa. Um, and I do do online training. It's something I'm currently trying to market the most because that's where I have the biggest area of growth that I could build on. Um, I do online training and I use an app called true coach. So all the workouts are sent to the client and they're able to communicate with me through this app It is personalized for each client, for what equipment they have, for, um, where they're at during that time of year. I have people where it snows. So we get creative during that time of year and being outside. Um, I have people who travel a lot for work. So that it's perfect for them because they're able to send me what kind of gym they're going to be at next week. So I can create the workouts based on that. And um, yeah, it just really gives me a broader reach. The Instagram thing is real hard to get the hang of. You are killing it. <laughs> With your reels and your posts. I'm like, yes. And I love your stories. I love your stories of your clients. Like I always see her. She's like up early. You're an early queen like me. And I love seeing the stories of your clients like in the dark working out. I'm like, okay, yes. And you're always yelling at them and (laughs) laughing with them. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is, um, I am always like laughing and helping my clients laugh and we're always joking together. So that is definitely a fun part of training. Um, yeah, I would really, I'm really trying to focus on building that, um, online client base. Um, so that's mainly why I'm working on building my Instagram and why another reason why I'm excited to talk about talking to you. Um, but yeah, that's it. I don't know what else to say about it, which is why I'm working on it. Right. <laughs> uh, I'll have everything linked for her down below for you guys. So if you are in Tampa that you can go and visit her, her gym is awesome. Like I said, I've seen, I see it every day on Instagram. Of course you guys can follow her on Instagram, which will also be linked. And then also the link for her online training will be down below for you guys as well. So you guys can look at that. And, um, I think you guys know my stance on this, but I think a trainer, everyone should work with a trainer at least once in their life. And if you have a bad trainer, then you should work on work with a trainer twice in your life because having somebody there to coach you, to coach on your form, to coach on activation, it's a game changer. I never had a personal trainer until I was a personal trainer. And I can't believe I waited that long. Like, how could I be a personal trainer without ever being trained? It's so like silly to think about, but it's so life-changing and it's body-changing. So you guys check her out down below and I'll have everything linked. And um, if you don't have anything else you want to hit on, then let's do the rapid fire. We're good to go. Okay. She gave me the thumbs up. Let's do it. You're, <laughs> see, you're already natural at podcasting. <laughs> I'm a natural at podcasting because I keep forgetting they can't see me. So I keep doing stuff. <laughs> well, I'm only going to use it for reels. I don't know if I'm going to like keep these um, videos and like, add them onto YouTube. I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to tackle another platform yet. Um, but Hey, it's always good to already have a lot of material built up though. Yeah, exactly. Because right? As you know, creating content is a whole job. It is. It is an entire job. I know I had on my list today, like I had three different reels I was supposed to create and then somehow it's 12 o'clock. I'm like, okay, well I'm freaking hungry. And I also have a podcast at one, so that's not going to work. So We'll see if those get made. Sometimes it's like not even just like conceptualizing the idea, but then like creating it. And then also like what videos am I going to use? Like it's very, it's very time consuming. I think people are starting to realize that once they start. Um, I actually heard the statistic today, which blows my mind. So I have to share it with you guys and with you that, um, you know, they say there's like 5 million podcasts out there. And so it's such a saturated market. But I heard this from on a reel from Gary Vee that my husband sent me, but also I heard it on Joe Rogan today that um, I think it's something like as long as you make it past four episodes, you're in the top 1% of people who have ever created a podcast. If you make it past 20 episodes, then I think you're in the top like 0.5% or something like that. Wow. I'll link the reel for you guys down below. Um, insane, right? So we're winning. <laughs> Look at you go. Yeah. We're winning. And it's just a huge testament to like, things are hard and it looks very easy from the outside, right? Like we see people being social media influencers all over the place, getting on social media, building their social media presences. And everyone's like, I can fucking do that. Like I can do that, you know, but it's actually, it is a full-time job. So it's like, okay, show me then. Go ahead. No, ain't nobody stopping you. <laughs> <laughs>
This coffee has my heart beating so fucking fast that I'm like breathing heavily. So sorry if you guys hear that. I've it been looks, like that coffee looks really good. It is really good. Are you, are you a coffee drinker? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. That's one of our rapid fires. So let's kick it off with what is your coffee order? What is your go-to coffee order? Oh man. This isn't very rapid. Um, <laughs> They're never rapid. Dairy-free flat white. Ooh, nice. I like oat milk. Usually oat milk does the best. Do you make coffee at home or do you buy it out? That's why I didn't have a fast answer because I generally just have coffee at home, um, which I usually do like a light roast or a medium roast because years ago I learned that light roast actually has more caffeine than dark roast. Mind mind blowing. Yeah, me too. When I learned that I was like blonde all the way, like we're going blonde coffee. Um, Do you, what kind of coffee machine do you have? Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what it is. Oh, it is the kind with a carafe though. I have a plethora of machines. Like I have a Chemex and I have a little, and I have, uh, I've had a Keurig in the past. Um, and I have like a French press as well. Okay. My day to day is just the regular percolator. Nice. There's something too about like potted coffee for me that I'm like it brings me back like it's nostalgic because we got an espresso like I feel like maybe like six years ago five six years ago so that's really all we drink and I love it but then when I go to like my parents house or like um well I try to buy everyone I know that I'm ever gonna visit I buy them an espresso <laughs> so like I bought my parents an espresso I bought Renee's parents an espresso I bought my grandma an espresso <laughs> my sister is is probably listening to this and like, bitch, why have you not bought me an espresso? Like you stay with me every time and maybe she's next on my list, but yeah, I try to buy everyone that, but potted coffee sometimes just really brings me back in like a, the best way where I'm like, okay, this is fire. Yeah. I love that. Okay. What is your favorite food? <laughs> oh, geez. Um, I'm going to, oh, this one's so obvious. Chipotle. Ooh. Yeah, I don't I know why. Why did I even take a second? I have no idea. I think that any of my friends could have answered that faster than I just did. What's your bowl order? Or your order, I guess I'm assuming you get a bowl. A bowl. I mean, it's really the best bang for your buck, honestly. Um, but I do get in a burrito mood once in a while. I had a burrito the other night and my husband's like, who are you? And I'm like, <laughs> I do this from time to time. Um, I usually get a sofrito bowl. I don't eat meat. So I get a sofrito bowl, white rice, black beans, extra fajita veggies, mild pico, extra. And if I'm feeling like I got a lot of money that week, I might even get guac on it. (laughs) (laughs) Your guac is so good. And their chips, when you get the ones that are very, very salty, like sometimes they're hit or miss. But when they're very salty, ooh, I love their chips. My mouth is watering. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Yeah. So good. We've never gotten Chipotle as our favorite food. So that's another first for us. Um, do you drink alcohol? Yes. Okay. I have to ask everyone, literally like 90% of people that come on this podcast are like, I don't drink anymore. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, which I don't drink a lot either, but what is your go-to drink order? I don't drink much either, but I, if I'm just like going for what brings me joy and tastes the best, then I usually get some sort of craft beer. Mm. Um, but if I'm being health, health conscious, I'll do like a seltzer and 
tequila or something like that. Nice. Love that. Love that. What's your favorite seltzer? So if we're talking non-alcoholic seltzer, um, like just the waters, I usually like whatever is on sale. (laughs) Very picky. (laughs) And um, if we're talking like the alcoholic seltzers, I think I like, uh, what was it called? Nut, nut cracker, nut water. I never heard of that. I can't remember what it's called. But cut it's water? Something. Cut water, yes. Cut water. I was like, nut water. I was like, is it made from almonds? Like, I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm glad your mind things? went that way. That's not the way that I went with nut water, so. <laughs> um, cut waters are so strong. So strong. Um, those Maybe will... that's why I like them. I'm not sure. <laughs> I used to get those when I would go get my hair done by this uh, girl, Chelsea, and... Um, one or two of those who aren't getting my hair done and like the fumes of the bleach, I'm like, whoa, I don't know if I can drive home. Like I'm going to have to wait here a little while, but thankfully, you know, your hair takes a long time. So, but yeah, those are really, really good. Okay. What is your best Amazon purchase of this month? Oh God, this month. I do spend a lot on Amazon. Oh, a scraper. Um, I got one of the muscle scrapers. I have plantar fasciitis in my right foot that I've been dealing with on and off for a number of years. And, um, I've started actually scraping my foot on the bottom of my foot with some lotion and it has helped so much. It's amazing. And it was only like 15 bucks. I love that. Yeah. I bought, um, like a cupping set a while back too, because my beloved Dr. Jenny, which I think she's in Long Beach right now, but she moved from Long Beach to Idaho And ever since then, I was going to her like once a week at least, and she would do scraping on my foot or wherever. And um, I was like, I am so tight, like since I haven't seen her and I don't really trust like everybody to do scraping and um, cupping. So I was like, Renee, we are learning right now. We're watching this YouTube video. You're going to cut me (laughs) like we're going to cut each other. I even bought, I'm so weird. You're talking about like obsessions, right? And being like very, very into something. Same, can totally relate. I bought the cupping set. I bought a scraper. I bought um, a massage table. I'm a whole table? <laughs> yeah, because you know what? It honestly hurts my back if I'm like doing, trying to do it on my husband and he's like laying on the couch. Then I'm like fully bent over, even like on our bed and our bed's pretty high. That's pretty um, annoying. So I bought a table. So yes. I mean, smart. That's an Amazon purchase. <laughs> Heck yeah. Amazon is just, you can't beat it. Other stuff for our, some uh, camper accessories this week too, for nice. Amazon. So excited about that also. Amazon yeah. is just my go-to. Amazon and Instacart have made me never want to leave my house ever. Like I was, and now I got ButcherBox, which I'm like so obsessed with as well. They have so many good options on there. If you guys are never, I just not sponsored by ButcherBox, but um obsessed. Like I was like, I need higher quality meat. Like I don't eat, um, a ton, a ton of meat. I eat mostly like seafood, but I was like, I need higher quality. Like this is just annoying that, and I don't want to go to a store to get higher quality. So done. Okay. What is your, um, what is your candy of choice when you go to the movies? If you still go to the movies or if you're watching a movie at home? Blow pops. Mm, that's a new answer for us too. 
Low pops. Do you ever like get to the middle without crunching it? I don't think that's physically possible. No. If you've done it, I'd like proof. I don't think it. (laughs) Full length videos, please. (laughs) Submissions only. Full length submissions only. (laughs) Can you imagine how long that would take you? Probably take forever. Um, Do you know how many licks it takes to get through the center of a Tootsie Pop? No, but I definitely tried as a child to. I I mean, I think we all did. We're like, okay, let's count. Yeah, impossible. I think we reached over a thousand when we were counting, and those numbers were just too big to hold in our little brains. So, (laughs) really confusing. I mean, I couldn't count that high licks of a lollipop at this point in time either. I would get very distracted. Yes, extremely. And then, like, how much? What's a lick? Like, are we able to suck on it? This is also going a weird way with the nut water. I, um, at times I have clients who really like me to count their reps, which I do not think that personal trainers necessarily need to be the ones responsible for counting repetitions, disclaimer, but, um, I will start counting a one, a two, a three. And they always say that I sound like the owl from the Tootsie Pop commercials. (laughs) Yeah. So funny. I feel like though, like as trainers, as we like count, I feel like we kind of like we always obviously get distracted and Jessica will tell you, like, I'm always talking. So I'm talking and counting in my head, but I definitely always like, feel like I know where the reps are. Like it gets kind of like, no, you're on nine. (laughs) Like, no. I think it's a superpower at a certain point. Like, I think if I was in a room full of like five to 10 people who are all working out, I could tell you what rep everyone is on. Oh, for sure. For sure. You'd be like, I do that with Renee sometimes. I'm like, you're doing 15. I was like, but I think you only did 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I usually have a pretty good idea of what rep they're on, but um, they don't ever think I'm right. So Oh, no, like, no, 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 no. We're never right. <laughs> We're never right. <laughs> and I always play that game too with my trainer. I'm like, this is not, no, no, we're on 10. Like, no, we're done. <laughs> okay, last question. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? I would probably still be an EMT, you know? Mm. Um, I think I probably would have stayed doing that if I didn't find a passion for fitness. Um, I might have become a paramedic. I was like signed up to go to paramedic school, um, but I decided to listen to my heart and follow fitness instead. So at the time when I was being an EMT, I was also coaching some classes at a different CrossFit gym. Um, but over time, just like making my way to try and make this my full-time job, I think I would have probably just stayed doing that because it's my second favorite job I've ever had. Like I really did enjoy like being out, um, on the road and like getting to meet different people and getting to feel like I helped people. Um, not, and I love not having a boss looking over my shoulder. And that's something I learned being an EMT and kind of what helped me want to be my own boss, you know, is because I don't like being micromanaged. I don't like feeling like I'm being micromanaged. And um, it's really hard these days. I don't know these days or if just always, it's hard to find a boss that doesn't want to do be like that. So it is for sure. Yeah. I don't know if I can, could ever go back to doing a job where I had someone above me. It seems really strange to even think about now, but when you were, so when you're an EMT, the people who are riding with you, there, are you guys all on like the same like rank or level? So there's no one that there's no like hierarchy. 
So I worked for like a private ambulance company. So it was like a little bit different. Um, in general, there, I mean, there still was a little bit of a hierarchy, but it always went by um, who was there longer, who had been working there longer. That person was usually considered like the senior EMT, but in general, it was just a partner. Um, there were times that I really didn't like where an EMT would just be riding with a first responder, driving them. So that person literally just driving the ambulance. And then you're really like the most qualified there because all they know how to do is CPR. <laughs> mm. And that's kind of nerve wracking because you're like, okay, I'd rather have someone who's like at least on my level or higher, you know, um, when it comes to like being in charge of someone's life, I do not like being the highest <laughs> ranked person there. So um, I'd rather have a partner, like someone who's helping me. Yeah. I guess I never really thought about that, that like when they're driving in the ambulance, like they're all EMTs. I guess I never really thought about not having a boss over your shoulder in that way. But that's a really good point that that allowed you to see that you wanted to be on your own and have your own business. I mean, that's yeah, amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to have everything for her linked down below. I want to say thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your time, your story, being an open book. Love it. And um, like I said, yeah, everything will be linked down for her below. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you and so much. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye.